0: Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. We'll be, uh, we've been in John chapter 6 for some time. It's a very long chapter. Um, and we're wrapping it up uh, this morning. Uh, and since it's so long, let's kind of grab the context because I think as we see it end today, we're going to kind of need to know where we've been. Okay, so Jesus feeds the multitude, right? He, that miraculous moment where He multiplies the fish and the bread and everyone has their fill. Um, And then he sends his disciples uh, away while he goes and and he prays by himself for a while. And then the disciples get into a storm and Jesus comes walking on the water and and rescues them and get in the boat and and they get to where they're going in Capernaum. Well, the people that had, had their field, the crowd, the next day they're thinking, man, that was great. Let's go find this Jesus and 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 be with them some more because eating all that food. This is a special kind of man that can multiply food, right? And so they go and they find him, and when they find him, uh, Jesus uh, begins a discourse, and it's it's basically Jesus just opening up who he is and what he's come to grant. That he is. Uh, it says time and time in this. Uh, dialogue that he talks about hey i'm eternal life or, or i'm the bread uh, that gives eternal life or uh, the father sent me to give to you eternal life and so and then he just kind of as he talks he gets more and more kind of almost i don't want to say it but kind of grotesque in that at first oh, i'm the bread of life but then he starts talking about hey i'm i'm the the, the flesh and the blood and, and you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or, uh, to have eternal life. And, and then that's where we find things as we wrap up chapter 6, starting in verse 60. After this dialogue of Him saying that drink my blood, eat my flesh, you'll have eternal life, this is, this is what happens. when many, uh, Verse six, uh, 60, uh, when many of His disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, uh, one of the twelve, was going to betray Him. So what I want us to do is first, uh, because I think what this is all about, because remember, John wrote this so that we might believe and have life. It's a very evangelistic, probably the most evangelistic book in the Bible. And so I think what John's wanting us to do is as we've walked through this dialogue, he separates the people into temporary disciples who walked away, showing that they were not really disciples at all, and permanent disciples, and that is, what we see in Peter's confession of those who did believe. And I think what John wants every one of us to do is to say, where do we fit in that picture? Are we a temporary disciple? Or are we a permanent disciple? So first, we'll look at the confessions of a temporary disciple. The temporary disciple first follows a Jesus of their own making back in verse 14 it says when the people saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world perceiving then that they were about to come and take him make him and take him by force to make him king jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself so the the people here they see the feeding of the multitude and they say this guy's great let's make him king let's Let's take Him and force Him to be our King. And So so why not, Jesus? Why don't you? Like if they're ready for that, if they're ready for you to be King and that's who you are, they're recognizing who you actually are, why not just let that happen? And the issue wasn't His kingship. It's that they wanted a King of their own terms. They wanted a King who did their bidding not a king to rule over them we know that for many of them it was a king who would overthrow the occupying government and establish once again israel as an independent people we know that that's that's what so many of them were longing for because that was not in the far distant past when they were their own people but that is not that is not the kind of king that he wanted to be he was a king to be he was a king a spiritual king a king there to set them free not from a government but from the sin in their lives and and to give to them bring them into a a kingdom that would be brought back to god his father though they had rebelled that was the kind of king he was there to be a spiritual king at least in his first coming establish a, a spiritual kingdom and do we not see this in our own time we not see people that they want a king in their own box okay you talk to someone and, and like the left and the right in politics they will they both want jesus because you know a lot of people like jesus and so you talk to someone from the left they they say well jesus was uh he was all about helping people and that's it and he was a uh, accepting of no matter who you were, he accepted you, and he was a, a, a Jesus of peace. He just wanted uh, peace, and he would never, ever build a wall. And you talk, likewise, you talk to someone from the right, and he's the gun-toting first coming of Ronald Reagan. He helps those who help themse- themselves, or he would certainly build a wall. And so what we have his is it's weird because we have a Jesus that believes wholeheartedly in a political agenda of whatever party you like. And the reality is is that Jesus never fits so easily in our boxes, whether it be political or otherwise. He is the king that He is, and He will not be a different one. Unlike a politician with his finger up to detect the breezes of public opinion. Jesus doesn't care about your opinion. You could take him or you can leave him, but he will not get into your box. He won't do it. There are many who follow a Christ of their own making and they soon find him. Hey, this isn't the guy, this isn't the guy I thought he was. He's going against my agenda. And so they walk away because they were trying to follow a Jesus that they had made and not the true Jesus. The temporary disciple follows after gifts instead of Christ himself. We know initially the reason the the crowd pursues Jesus because Jesus confronts them right away in verse 26. It says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were interested not in the spiritual benefits of Christ. They were interested in those physical benefits that, hey, He fed us and I want some more food. This is the Jesus of the health and wealth movement, right? Have faith and God will give you stuff. You want a Lamborghini to give to your wife as a gift? He'll give you that. You want a uh, your private jet so you don't have to fly with everybody else he'll give you that he's a god that gives gifts so he becomes your own personal pinata hit it with a little prayer hit it with a little faith and he'll give you what you want to make what, what what you need to make yourself happy but the problem with being a disciple to get stuff is that jesus's ultimate desire Is not a shallow happiness, but conformity to to Christ. And oftentimes that is contrary to an easy path. It is very contrary to always getting what you want. Oftentimes Christ says no. He did to Paul. Paul asked multiple times, remove this thorn from me. And God said no. My grace is sufficient. Paul, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you me. Holiness comes through a difficult path and God is more worried about our holiness than our happiness. So if you set on a discipleship journey with, for ease, you will quickly realize that the path of discipleship is not a straight line. It's a crooked path marked with obstacles and a lot of not getting what you want. And if you don't grasp that, then you will be like many in the crowd who walked away. I just came for fish and bread and this other stuff this guy's offering. I'm not interested in all that. And thirdly, the the temporary disciple rejects the deity and the humanity of Christ. We see in these temporary disciples a reaction, really, of both. They're against, they they say, about the deity and the humanity of Christ. They don't believe it. They were taken back by Jesus' claims because many of them, remember, he said, they said, hey, we know his parents. He said, Tell us he can give us eternal life. We, we know Mary and Joseph. We saw him when he was this tall. Someone who is just a man, after all, cannot be the giver of eternal life. So they rejected his deity. But Jesus also indicates that they, they, uh, they re- rejected his deity in this way. He says in verse 61 But Jesus, knowing himself, uh, in himself, that his disciples were grumbling, grumbling about this, said to them, "Do not take offense at this. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before?" Jesus says, "If you can't buy my coming down, would you even buy me going back up? Because that was going to eventually happen, right? He was going to go to the cross, but then after the cross, He was going to keep on ascending back to the glory with the Father." And He says, hey, you, you folks." And you're rejecting my 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 manhood, which is vital for what I'm here to do, and, and you're rejecting my deity, which is vital for what I'm here to do. And so we see in this makeup of the crowd, it's it's important to us to understand that what's happening here in these people's unbelief of Christ. We we have the general crowd. We have we have some people that just kind of they got their feast and they just jumped on board. And they're trying to see what, trying to discover what this Jesus is all about. And it appears by the wording here that we also have some other disciples. And what that means is those who had kind of been following Jesus for a little while, who had kind of begin to like the things that he said and, and begin to be behind. Uh, what he was doing. And so they were they were very curious about Jesus. They liked him. They liked, liked the, some of the things that, that he was doing. And then among those, you have the twelve for which Jesus had chosen to be those that, that he would really spend so much of his time with and pouring out his life to them. Those that would, would most of them, who would go on to be those great leaders in the early church. And it just seems like he starts losing the general crowd and, and not far into this discourse he begins to lose some of his disciples, those people that had been with him a little while. After this description of eating his flesh and drinking his blood he, and and that he gives eternal life in this way, his disciples, just, they had a, that a problem with that we're here for water to wine we're here to see people's diseases healed we're here to see multiplied multiplied fish and this eating of flesh and this drinking of blood that, that's not for us. no thank you. but Jesus finally alludes here that it's not about the literal flesh and the blood, but it is about the spiritual. realities that they represent look what he says in verse 63 it is the spirit who gives life the flesh is no help at all the words that i've spoken to you are spirit and life but there are some of you who do not believe for jesus knew from the beginning who those who would not believe and and who it was who would betray him and he said this is why i told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father and so Jesus is let them know, look, it's spiritual realities. You're caught up thinking, I'm going to feed you a piece of my flesh and, and, and make you drink my actual blood. It's, that's, that stuff doesn't, isn't the point. It's the spiritual realities that are behind my words. But He says, hey, you're not going to get it. Because my Father is the one who's going to grant this knowledge to you. And then we have that tragic verse that many people questioned. The people who numbered the verses number it 666 for this reason. But chapter 6, verse 66. After this, many of his, his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. They liked Jesus well enough to walk with him for a time. Who knows? why it was was that some of these people were following him. It was probably different for different people in the crowd. For some, it may have been the miracles. Hey, I just want to keep seeing these amazing miracles. For some, it was maybe the moral teachings of, hey, he's really helping me know how to live my life, and so I want to hang out with this guy. Or maybe it was even that deep theology. Hey, I like talking theology and God, and so... This guy knows some deep theology, so I'm going to to run around with him. But because of these things, they hung in there for a little bit. But liking Jesus does not cut it. Believing that He had powers does not save. Living according to His morality cannot save. Not even theology in and of itself can save. You have to go all the way and believe Jesus for all that He is and all that He is offering. What Jesus was offering here is the heart of the Gospel. Believe in Me and My death and feast upon all that I say I am and you will have eternal life. And these temporary disciples looked at Jesus and said, no thank you. I didn't sign on for that. I wonder what, what they were thinking. Some of them might have just thought, you know, i got to think about this some more. I need to see some break. This is getting intense. But, but John states here that they never walked with him again. Even if some of them thought, oh, this will just be a little break. says they never came back. They never walked with him again. They walked with him no more. Friends, if you are following a Jesus of your own making, if you are pursuing him for his physical blessings, and if you especially if you reject the heart of the gospel with all that he is and all that he has done for you, you're a temporary disciple. One day you're going to be exposed as that. But his inner twelve remained. He turns and he asks them in verse 27, Do you want to go away as well? Jesus turns. He looks and everybody's walking away. And so he turns to the inner twelve and he says, hey, you guys want to leave too? And here's Peter's words. and, And I think Peter is just replying for the whole group. This is what they would all say. At least 11 of them. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. So let's look at the confessions now of a permanent disciple. First, the permanent disciple sees there is nowhere else to go but to Christ. They say, Lord, to whom shall we go? They have realized that salvation is Christ to give in His alone one wonders at this point is is this when they they really all become solidified and hey this is really this is this is it man this is him this is the only one whatever is 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 giving they're giving birth to in this moment or God is giving birth to in them we see in acts 4:12 full maturity as peter stands with confidence before uh before a a group of people and he says and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Friends, where else can we go? You want to go within yourself? You want to trust that you can be good enough? Do you run, want to run to Allah? You know what Allah is going to say? He's going to say, go and be purified through prayer. Be purified through giving alms. Be purified through obeying me. You want to run to Buddha? Buddha's going to tell you, go look to your inner, deeper inner self. That's where you find salvation. That's where you'll be reincarnated as something better. It's interesting, isn't it, that these deities that the world would have us try to turn to, what do they do? They send us back into ourselves. And I don't know about you, but when I look in myself, I don't see anything that can save. I see a a man that has fallen. And so I need something outside of myself. I need a God unlike the other gods. A God who says... I have done it in Christ. You can't do it. It's a fool's errand to run to anything else other than Christ, especially ourselves. Salvation is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and nowhere else. The permanent disciple is the one who realizes that Christ is their one and only hope. Next, we see the permanent disciple realize that there is life in the gospel of Christ. It says, "You," Peter says here, "you have the words of eternal life." Now, I want you to think about something. In this moment, do you think Peter and the disciples fully understand what it was to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and those pictures of death? Do you think they're going, "Okay, I've got this figured out." In a little while in a few months you're going to you're going to go and be arrested and then you're going to be put on a you're going to be tortured and be put on a cross and you're going to endure the wrath of God for our sins so that we might have faith and be reconciled to God you think they understood the details of all that I guarantee you they did not there was still a veil those things had not unfolded and were not written for them like they are for us there was still Great mystery in the words of Christ. But there is here's what they do know. Jesus said about a dozen times in this discourse that He either uh, was or possessed eternal life and that the Father sent Him to give eternal life. They took this amazing thing that Jesus was offering and says, alright, I'm in. I believe. I believe that in these words you've said, even though I don't understand everything you just said, in all of your words, I believe that they contain eternal life, and I'm in. And I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to continue to learn about these things. The other people, they got hung up because they couldn't get past the fact that, hey, I knew Jesus' parents. Many were scratching their heads that, hey, what is this blood and this flesh? Is it literal? Is it figurative? What's going on here? But these remaining disciples decided, in Christ's words, are this wonderful thing of eternal life. And they said, give it to us. Let me ask you this morning, don't, don't let your lack of understanding keep you from the gospel. Believe in the life, burial, and resurrection of Christ and you will have eternal life. There are other doctrines. There are other things that may be fuzzy. And you can work on that. You have a life, a a long life to live uh, probably in which you can discover all of these other mysteries. But here's what they knew. Hey, in Christ, in these words He's speaking, is eternal life. While there was some fuzziness still in them about understanding the cross of Christ, they had definitely reached clarity in the identity of Christ. So the permanent disciple is one who has believed in the identity of Christ as the Son of God. Look what Peter says in verse 69. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I find this statement really interesting. It says, we have believed and have come to know. First, we we believed. We set our faith on Christ. And then that faith grew into something we know. You know, faith is a potent thing. It doesn't take a lot of it to be saved. And here's why. It is not the strength of your faith that is the grounds of your salvation It is the object of your faith. It's not about how strong your faith is in Christ. It's that you've put your faith in Christ. These these disciples' first steps with Christ were likely weak. We see them do dumb things time and time again. Peter... It's still, it's so certain here, he's still going to deny Christ three times at his arrest. But that faith continues to grow until these disciples become the men who turn the world upside down. They believe that Jesus was the Holy One of God. said, so we, we believe, and, and, and they, I mean, this is, this is a big statement. I mean, to, to truly say he is the Holy One of God, man, it's casting everything aside and saying, Jesus, you are absolutely 100% the Son of God. You are the Holy One. You don't. If you were Israelite, you didn't throw holy around lightly. Especially didn't throw around Holy One. They were fully, fully giving their absolute belief that this was the Son of God. and they would continue to grow and and it would become something that they knew until it was a faith that changed the world. Y'all, that's what faith is, right? Something that and it's small when we present it to Christ and then he grows us into people that are strong in the faith. So in conclusion this morning, I want to talk to you, the almost Christian, the temporary disciple. There are those of you in this room who like Christ. You think He's great. You maybe have had some emotional experiences with Him growing up in church or going to church camp and Maybe even at times you've thought, hey, that was a conversion experience. But like these people, you, you fully had not embraced Christ himself. You, you like church or, or you like, hey, I like grandma and grand, uh, I like my grandparents and they follow him. No, you have to embrace him for all that he is and all that he's done. You can't just like Him. You can't just say, I, I like Him because when I'm sick or when someone's sick, I can pray to Him. No, it's you embrace Him as the Son of God who died for your sins. It's not enough to be close to Him. These people were close to Him. Some of them had actually followed Him for a while. So that's not enough. You have to be like Peter and the other disciples besides Judas that had fully fully embraced him so this morning um, in a moment when we sing I I want to invite you if you're a temporary disciple or have been a temporary disciple that you would become a permanent disciple by embracing Christ I want to talk to you for a second Christian and encourage you for a moment Are you ever afraid of sharing the Gospel because you may fail? Is that one of the things that just keeps you from really living out loud your faith? Man, I just I don't want to fail. I don't want to be rejected by someone. Here we have Jesus Himself proclaiming the Gospel. And a multitude walks away. Think about that for a moment. Do we want to critique his evangelism method? You want to critique, since it's his gospel, you want to say he didn't do it right? He did it exactly right, and yet a multitude walks away. And I would say to us that are scared of man, Do we feel like we're better than our Christ? That somehow we can't face failure, we can't face rejection when He did that exact thing? He didn't fail. He didn't fail. He proclaimed Himself, which was His mission. And He says throughout this discourse that my Father draws... My Father draws. I proclaim and the Father draws. And so he left it to God. And and God did exactly what God intended to do with the words that Jesus spoke. Christian, don't be scared. Don't be scared of being rejected and presenting the Gospel. And even... Among the twelve, it says in verse 70, think about this, the twelve that He had personally chosen to disciple and and to pour His life into day and night. It says in verse 70, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to... betray Him. Even among those who He most poured Himself into, He was not a hundred percent successful in how many define success. But one of them ended up actually betraying Him. But many embraced Him. Folks, don't be so high on on yourself that that you think you deserve better treatment than than Christ got. Go and proclaim Christ. Many will reject it, and that's fine. You're in good company. You're with Christ. But there are many who it will bring eternal life life to their hearts and lives and their eternity. So go and be encouraged. I ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Almost Christian, temporary disciple. Man, if you feel you may be in that number, please come talk to me. Come talk to someone around you. Talk to a friend that invited you. A Christian, think about being faithful despite the results because that's what. Jesus did let's pray dearly father God as we move into a moment of re- reflection of prayer of thinking through this this idea of temporary and permanent disciples God I pray that you would move in our hearts that you would help us to respond and apply your word to our life